Welcome to the Lion Trust Global Fixed Income Podcast. I'm Simon Hildry and with me is Phil Milburn. Phil will be providing us with his usual insight and perspectives on bond markets, economics and anything else that takes his fancy. Hello, Phil. Hello, Simon. and Thank you for that very kind introduction. There's been a lot of um, press attention that has been talking about the triple B rated corporate bond market and whether we're currently seeing a bubble. Jack Willis from the Sustainable Fixed Income team wrote about it recently. What's your view? Is there a bubble? The short answer is no, there is no such bubble in triple B corporate bonds. The triple B rated by Moody's, S&P or even Fitch is obviously the lowest rung of investment grade, although it does have splits within it. The reason this has garnered so much attention is that Steve Eisman of the big short fame has made the warning. For those that have seen the big short, the character that Steve Carroll portrays is basically Steve Eisman under a different name. Why is it not a bubble though? Well, firstly, and very importantly, fundamentals are okay. And secondly, valuations. We're not inventing a new paradigm. In fact, spreads are significantly wider than they have been many years ago. So there's, there's nothing new there. What has changed is the size of the market. And to put this in context, the triple B investment grade corporate bond market is now globally about $5 trillion. Five years ago, this was $3.5 trillion, and 15 years ago, it was $1.5 trillion. I deliberately skipped over 10 years ago, um, where it was similar face value to 15 years ago, but a much lower overall market value due to the credit crisis. Now, what, why has it grown so much? This is really because companies have been doing efficient balance sheet management. Um, by that, what I really mean is rewarding equity holders to some extent uh, to the detriment, I'd say, of bondholders, um, but also just making sure that they are financing at that sweet spot where they can always access the market. The one other factor that has really made the market grow has been the credit crunch, as banks have reduced the amount they're prepared to lend to companies, and a lot of marginal bank lending has shifted to the bond market, which from a fundamental perspective is positive because it means that the companies involved have much longer dated, longer term, stable funding. Okay. And Steve's also raised concerns about the impact on the high yield market of large investment grade issuers being junked. What's your take on this as a high yield bond fund manager? It's important to bear in mind the context around the high yield market. High yield is obviously much smaller than investment grade, but to let you know the size, high yield globally developed markets is about a $2 trillion market just over. It has barely changed in size in the last three years as the marginal supply into what's commonly referred to as leveraged finance has very much gone to the loan side of the equation um, as various leveraged loan structures love the three-letter acronyms such as CLOs, Classified Loan Obligations, have crowded out a lot of the supply away from uh, traditional high-yield bonds. Um, of course, high-yield is much bigger than it was 15, 20 years ago. That's verging on a tautology. Um, but how if impact would it really have if some of those triple Bs were junked, as the FT loves to use, down into a high-yield? Well, firstly, bear in mind, only 12 of the investment grade triple B issuers would be above 2% weighting of the high yield index. 
and only 38 issuers would be over 1% of the high yield index, um, i.e. it's not the big overhang that many people think it is. The biggest three issuers in investment grade are AT&T, Verizon, another phone company, and Anheuser-Busch InBev. They would all be roughly 5% of the high yield index, although not one of them is anticipated to be junked. There are a few offsetting factors to the overhang of investment grade bonds becoming fallen angels down to high yield. Firstly, quite a few high yield managers run against what are called constrained indices, where the maximum in each name is either 2 or 3%. The other good thing is the bond markets have learned over time to um, have had mandate changes such that most investment grade funds are not for sellers on any junking. Most have, for example, 10% flex in 2008 9, um, but even then, obviously, with the financial world melting down, there were some forced sellers around. Um, so, we've seen peripheral downgrades in Europe um, in, in this in sovereign crisis, and the high yield market managed to absorb that paper pretty well. You tend to see a few days um, towards the month end normally of any junking um, where the market does have an overhang, but after that, the bonds reach their clearing price change hands and have their new trading level. Do you see, I mean, you're, you're sanguine about the market. Is there anything that you are worried about or you do see as a threat? I am indeed relatively sanguine about the markets at the moment. Um, there are many, many things that concern me, but the amount of triple B paper outstanding doesn't even reach my top 100 list. What does concern me? Ongoing trade wars, although they seem to be mitigating somewhat um, and to me um, I am still worried about inflation I've talked about this before I'll talk about it again um, we are reaching towards the end of the cycle when wage inflation picks up I think later in the year the Fed will do another U-turn in the meantime regarding the triple B's I see it more as an opportunity than a threat it's crucial to remember that different companies are far less correlated than the generic subprime mortgage market, um, the focus of the film, The Big Short and the book, and that we here at Line Trust are very much index agnostic. Just because a company gets junked doesn't mean we have to buy it. We can pick and choose any of the fallen angels and we'll only buy one if both the price and the fundamentals are right. Can you give examples of where you're finding the opportunity? The investment-grade corporate bond market has had a very good year so far with spreads tightening at the same, same time as obviously equity markets have been rallying, etc., etc. Using our strategic funds as an example, our strategic bond funds, um, we have been reducing investment-grade a little recently. That's just to be seen in the context of profit-taking to a weighting of in the low 30% area. This is not a particularly bearish call on investment-grade it's just a function of where we are in the cycle, late cycle, and on weakness, we would look to add towards 40% again, still below our long-term median stroke mean weighting of 50%. You do have to look a little further around now for opportunities. There's a lot of the money from beat has been made, but there's still loads of alpha opportunities that we can take advantage of. Two more recent opportunities include one in the secondary markets, where we bought bonds in a US pharmaceutical company called AbbVie. AbbVie make the world's biggest selling prescription pharmaceutical drug, Humira, used for autoimmune diseases. 
that will eventually come off patent in 2023, but AbbVie have a strong pipeline to replenish their profit pool um, between now and 2023. So we think those bonds are just fundamentally undervalued relative both to the market and other pharmaceutical companies. And then on the primary side, uh, we have seen a fairly recent deal from Altria, the US operations of Philip Morris that was spun out a few years ago. Now, tobacco isn't necessarily the most ethical part of the market, but it's a very stable cash generative business. They were issuing these bonds in order to finance a couple of acquisitions of stakes in other businesses. Because they were doing that, they had to actually pay up a little. What do I mean by that? Meant they actually gave us wider spreads on the bonds, particularly those in euros, um, where the company is not as well known as it is in its domestic US market. So at a spread of approximately 300 basis points, 3%, we think those bonds are very cheap and offer long-term capital upside. Great. Thank you very much, Phil. And thank you to everybody for listening. We welcome any feedback and questions and look forward to welcoming you to the next podcast.